What's up, everyone? My name is Mel, and I'm your host over here at the Compulsory Gymnastics Connection. This is a podcast all about women's gymnastics levels one through five. We are going to talk about gymnastics experiences, non-gymnastics experiences, how those things shape and play into how we coach. We're going to go over day-to-day shop talk, really getting into how on earth we actually make it happen and we get it done. And lastly, how to keep it fun, because let's be honest, gymnastics is fun. I really hope that you are going to enjoy this just as much as I am. So let's get started. So hi. (laughs) Hi. Morning. Well, yeah, it's one o'clock here. Oh, it's 10 o'clock here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I didn't realize, like, so we moved to California like three years ago now. Yeah. And everybody, everybody goes to Hawaii. Like, that's like your, like, weekend trip. Yeah. It's like, oh, cheap flights are so cheap to Hawaii. And I did not realize that you were still three hours behind behind us yeah yeah we're behind everyone like in the world I have not been to a place yet where Hawaii is ahead of anything like um time wise yeah that's yeah and we haven't been yet and that's like you know now that we're closer it's it's on our list of of places to go because it does seem a little bit more like reasonable to go there but yeah (laughs) when we moved here then everything shut down with COVID and it was like yeah yeah so yeah. yeah so uh, how are you how are things going i'm good it's been a very big year so yeah. a lot of changes for me but it's been really good yeah and so how long have you i mean how long have you been back in hawaii now like from did you because you did you do a second degree in michigan um, no or no no i didn't so i moved back okay. after i graduated in 2012. okay so you've been doesn't that seem like a long time ago yeah but like like could have been like last year yeah oh my gosh and then have you been have you been coaching since then were you doing it full-time or like kind of what was what was going on for you um I was doing coaching like Basically, it was a part-time job, but I was working at, like, a full-time job because I was coaching, like, seven days a week on top of my actual full-time job. (laughs) Holy shnikes. Yeah. So. That's a lot. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't bad. I mean, I'm used to it. But the last, I think, when we came back from COVID, it just got to be a lot. (laughs) And then... Um, I just actually started a new job with the Hawaii Department of Education. So once I started that job, it even got even crazier, I think. So um, I just stopped coaching last, like literally just a week ago (laughs) at the end of June. Okay. All right. And how long, how long were you, you were there for, so like, what's 2012 to 2020? I was coaching at the gym that I graduated from. So okay. I actually was coaching like, or I started coaching the summer that I came home after my freshman year of college. So okay. I've been technically employed for, what is that? 14, 13 years. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. To, like, 
it's so weird to me to feel like, oh yeah, I've been coaching that long, but yeah, it's really been that long. Um, I still really feel like been. I'm new. <laughs> and I'm still like learning things and like. Oh yeah, I'm always learning, and I think um, like this year was the first year that I we had our we had our banquet, and this this year was the first year where kids that I had in like level three graduated as seniors in high school and then I felt really old (laughs) I see like a bunch of my kids like from Michigan like on Instagram and they're like graduating college now and I'm like wait a minute yeah I mean I have a lot of kids that I've coached here and there graduating college and that also makes me feel old but this the group of seniors this year were like in my actual training group and so that like well like I knew their ins and outs and we went through the struggle together. They were all actually in different groups um, around the same time, but they were in different levels when they were starting. And then they all ended up as uh, all of them were level nines this year. Okay. They graduated. So it's kind of cool to see them. Like I had different generations of kids and, then for them to like mesh together and become seniors together was kind of was really cool (laughs) yeah I think that like right now I have like a 12 year old in my level three group but I also have like a like six year old and I think that sometimes like people want to get the kids through the compulsory level so quickly and like ultimately they all end up together anyway. Like, yeah, if they're going to continue gymnastics, like for the most part, it's going to flush them out and they're going to get, they're all going to end up in the same place. So really kind of like two, it's kind of like a two part um, interview. I just want to go over um, like your background and your experience and, and how you, you know, the time that you grew up and did gymnastics um, and how that those experiences affected or influenced how you approached coaching, um, you know, even, you know, positive versus negative either way. Um, and then kind of going over, I keep calling it like shop talk, like what practices at your gym for your compulsory kids look like. Um, so we can kind of, <laughs> go go through that if you're good with that yeah i'm fine with that okay (laughs) cool so yeah tell me tell me a little bit about your gymnastics experience you know how long you did it personally and um what your experience was and then how that played into your transition into coaching and how how you coach um i did level 10 for five years. Um, One of those years was a pre-elite year. So we did the qualifiers and um, I ended up qualifying to the U.S. Classic meet, which is like the meet that you need to do to qualify to U.S. championships. And then right before we flew out, like literally the day um, we were supposed to fly out, I found out I had a stress fracture in my back. Um, So I wasn't allowed to go. Um, and then after that, I had a bunch of injuries, uh, like kind of one, one a year. Um, okay. so I had torn my labor or detached my labrum in my shoulder 
toward my ACL my June that was my sophomore year toward my ACL my junior year um and then <clears throat> my senior year finished the whole season but I tore my meniscus um like training uh getting ready to go to college um which is minor but uh still was another surgery mm-hmm. um so I did five years of level 10 one year pre-elite and then I did four years um at Eastern Michigan University uh where I met you yeah and then, um graduated with my bachelor's in psychology and my minor in communications and then I moved home to Hawaii um to coach and not really sure what my plan was at that point um I had wanted to coach collegiately um and then I was gonna I was gonna move back to Michigan um to kind of like coach club and then try to like volunteer with the EMU team um and then the group that I had at my club here at, in Hawaii at that time was a really um, unique group. Like we were trying to do this blended like level four or five thing. And the kids that I had were really, really talented. So I decided to stay and instead of moving. Um, and I've just stayed ever since. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And then I my experiences as as a gymnast were positive overall i think um i mean i love gymnastics i always have um i've i always like to think that um i kind of was like one of those rare uh i always think that there's kind of like a triangle and i think i saw this or heard it heard this in someone else's like video or something in the past where um in a lot of sports and I think especially gymnastics, there's like a kind of like a triangle that needs to be met in order for kids to like be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have like one of the points is the kid has to be like naturally talented. <clears throat> um, the kid has to, another point of the triangle is like the kid has to um, also be hardworking. And then the third point of the triangle is um, like the parents have to be supportive in the right ways. Um, I think I like to think that I had that triangle. Um, and then the more that I've coached, I've kind of um, kind of understood that, like, it's pretty rare to have all three points of the triangle. Um, I have a lot of kids who, or I've seen a lot of kids who are, like, not super naturally talented, but they're really, really hardworking. Um, and their parents are kind of, some parents are really supportive and some parents are, like, expecting them to go to the Olympics and it's like, eh, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> like slow your roll, <laughs> you know, and then you get the kids who <clears throat> they have the talent part of the triangle, but then they're not very hardworking. Um, and then their parents, again, you know, some of them are supportive and some of them are kind of like, you know, when are we going to go to the Olympics? <laughs> so I think my experience overall was pretty positive, even with the injuries because um I just love being in the gym uh I think college was a little bit frustrating um like I was pretty frequently injured in college as well Mm -hmm. and I didn't have like the collegiate gymnastics experience that I had wanted for myself um but I mean looking back in hindsight it it was such a I mean, you know, like it's very, it's just a very minor part of life, right? So I think it was very frustrating 
while I was living it. And now that it's been 10 years since I've been in college, I don't, I don't really like dwell on it too much. Yeah. I feel that. Like, I think that that, I, you know, I chose to stop at Eastern after my sophomore year. So your freshman year. And I, I guess I was feeling like the same way. It was like, this isn't going the way I want it to. And this is not what, you know, I expected from my collegiate gymnastics career. And like a lot of that had to do with like me personally too. I had so much growth that had to happen. I didn't, I didn't actually understand um, what it meant to be a part of a collegiate team and, and, and what that was, because I think like, you know, I don't think, you know, college gymnastics was not as massive as it is now. And so I think that now with how big it is, we better, like, I know me personally as a coach, I understand more about how it works um, and how it's kind of laid out and things like that. And so like, I'm better able to prepare my athletes for what that actually looks like. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that as well. Um, I think I had a lot of, I think when, and this can be like something we delve in later, but I think, you know, like I came back every summer, um, my freshman year, I didn't, I don't know what, I think my freshman year I, I made lineups in beam and mm-hmm. bars. I don't remember if I was in lineups or if I was just like an exhibition. Um, and I came home that summer and like worked my butt off to, um, I got back. Um, so I actually had hurt my shoulder on the Ginger release Yeah, when I was, when I was in high school. And then, so I stopped doing it after my shoulder surgery because I knew like it was kind of risky to like re-injure my shoulder. Um, and then I moved to Jaegers, which I was pretty good at them, but I was definitely like, like I could probably catch eight out of 10 Jaegers. Um, but I could never really figure out how to piece together those last two. So, so that I could hit like a hundred percent of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came home my freshman season, I was like, Nope, I want to make bar lineups. Um, I had actually wanted, I went into college wanting to do all around <clears throat> and, yeah. uh, the, in, the knee injuries kind of slowed that down a lot. Um, it doesn't help that like I'm not like a flipper and in college you know everyone kind of it's like an unspoken rule right that like if you're <laughs> gonna be if you're gonna be in a floor lineup in college you should probably have some kind of a double back and I wasn't ever good at double backs oh, um yeah. so, and then the, t- the twisting was kind of risky with my previously torn ACL and yeah. my torn meniscus so it kind of challenged things um so I came home and worked my butt off to get my ginger back and then um my sophomore season, sophomore and junior seasons, I think I was in lineup for bars most of the year or at least exhibition. Um, and then my junior year, I tore my UCL on one of my high to low transitions. Um, and then yeah. that was season ending. But um, I think when I would come home, like I didn't really focus on the basics. And now that I'm coaching, um, when I first started coaching, that's how I coached was like, yeah, okay, we're going to do round of back, hands, back text today, um, do a couple rebounds and then, and then do it, you know, cause that's kind of how I was brought up. And for me, um, it always worked out. I'm like, 
I don't remember really doing any kind of drills for like a round of back handspring back tag. Um, <clears throat> I remember at one point I was like scared to do the back handspring part for some reason. And I was like just doing round enough back tags. And then one day I was just like, I mean, it's the same thing. We just, just need to do it. So it did round of back handspring back tag, <laughs> you know, so I didn't really do and that. I don't think there were as many drills or I never saw as many drills, um, even 10 years ago, you know, um, mm-hmm. compared to what's out, out and available now. And then, so when I started coaching, my kids were, <laughs> we had a phone, we have a phone pit, you know, and like my kids would do like round of back hands ring. They'd like go straight up in the air and then they like wouldn't flip. <laughs> and then they'd like land on their stomach or they'd land like even on their head in the pan. I'm just like, Oh my God, like, what are you doing? Why aren't you flipping? And they like, didn't, they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, and uh, I didn't know how to coach them at that point. Cause I had never really me as a gymnast, like I had never really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to really learn how to teach like different, different kids different kinds of kids, um, different drills, um, spotting. Uh, I, I have, I was used to spotting kids who knew, you know, like you're just kind of safety spotting. You're not really like doing the whole skill for them, but I had to learn some of my kids like literally didn't understand the concept of like on a back tech, you, you have to go up, you know, just like fly yourself backward. And like, they didn't, you know, a lot of kids, their first instinct is to literally just whip themselves backwards. Right. Um, so I had to learn how to like coach different styles. But um, but going back to tying tying that back into like me doing gymnastics, like um, I think in college and then like even in club, I think for me the one year that I did elite was really good because you, you, um, when you're like testing for elite, you have to do the elite compulsory routines and then you have to do the you do well you do the physical abilities you do the elite compulsory routines and then you do your like regular optional routines um and the elite compulsory ones are all basics um and you have to test out of that to to um it's like one part of your score to be able to move on to the next level of competition and i thought that that one year of training the compulsory routines was really good because it's just basics you know it's like Kip cast handstands and it's giants and it's blind changes and it's front giants and it's um, back walkovers on beam, even though you're like above a level 10 and you're, you know, it was a lot of basics training and I, I didn't realize it at the time, but like, I think that was why like my skills were so good that year was because we were doing all of the um, compulsory stuff. And it's not something that we, like we were doing it because we had to do it for compulsories um, because once we didn't do elite anymore, like we didn't do any of those basics anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, um, and then the more I'm coaching, like I, the more I'm seeing like a lot of gyms, um, really like dedicate a lot of time to that. And so I, like, that was something that I had to kind of get used to, you know, trying to coach, like sometimes it's not just doing the big skills every single day. Like sometimes it's going back, like if you're working on, you have a level seven working on giants. Like they should still be working on Kip Cat's handstands on the side and uh, not just the big skills. So. Yeah. yeah. In, um, <clears throat> I, nobody, not that I know of in my gym that did, but so you, if you don't score high enough in the compulsories, you don't even get to move on to your optional stuff. Correct. <clears throat> Um, no, you still do, okay. um, but it's a, it's a fraction. So like physical abilities is like, 
I don't remember what it is, but so just for the sake of the interview, like it'll, I'll say like physical abilities is like 10% of your score. And then the elite compulsories is like 30% of your score. And then your optional routines are 60% of your score. And then you have to take all of that together um, comes out to one big score. And that big score is what like tells you if you're going to be able to, or actually, no, I think I did that wrong. I think you have to score a certain, so like, you know, there's four events for compulsories and you have to score a certain number so that at the next qualifying meet, you don't have to do compulsories because you've already met that qualifying score. Oh, okay. So each score is kind of different and it just determines like if you have to do that portion at the next qualifier. Got it. Okay. So yeah. Back, yeah. Back then it was like all three. And from what I've seen recently, I don't, I mean, I've not been on that path in a very long time, but right. I think you can do them separately now. Uh, I think you can go to meets and do like, so if you're, you know, if you did like, you had a really good optional meet and you had really good physical abilities and you had, and then you just didn't have like a great elite compulsory session for some reason, then at the next meet, you can just do the elite compulsory portion so that you can get that score. Okay. That is like my understanding, but I, I could be wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know if that's right or not. I have not, not a clue. So maybe, maybe I can check on that and make sure once we're done. Yeah. <laughs> So okay. my bad if it's wrong. <laughs> okay. So, you know what? It's it's just like it's just a little perspective. Like I, I mean, obviously, you know from when you were in that pro speaking to, not necessarily, you know, currently. And things have changed. Yeah, things have changed a lot. I mean, that's also when we were still doing the ten O. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, so what levels were you coaching um that's a very so my <laughs> you're I guess my my work. primary so as I was I think I started talking about it in the beginning before I had got cut off the first time but at my gym um we start coaching um like with a group and you're responsible for all four events so we kind we come on we start team at my gym in level three and then we move them up through the levels to seven and then they have to test to get into the level eight through ten group which is with um the head coach and his assistant so um I kind of coach everything because I'm I was subbing a lot this last I mean I we're always subbing um but my primary group this year, um, 2022, was level four and then level like six, seven. Um, because I had, we had two, we had a main, like a primary level six group. And then we had like a really, really big group of um, level sixes and sevens um, just because of how COVID like panned out the numbers and stuff. Right. Um, so it, it was kind of crazy like we had like 23 level sixes this year because the kids who would have did level six last year um they didn't get to because of covid um we didn't we didn't give them the option to move up last year because we had just returned from the shutdowns so we that group ended up doing um level five last year last spring 2021 and then um they trained, you know, the rest of 2021. And 
by the like maybe September, October ish, we had given them the option like if you the kids who were kind of like on the path to getting their giants and like um, doing a series on beam with a back handspring, um, we gave them the option to either, you know, you guys can stay in level six or you can bump up to seven um, because they should have been sevens. And only two of them, I think, chose to move up to seven. <laughs> the rest of them were like, yeah, if I get my skills, um, I'm cool, like, repeating six. Or I'm cool, like, just doing six and not stressing about it. So we ended up. And then the group that was, the group, my main group, was the level, just level six group. But it was pretty crazy um, because they were level fours in the beginning of 2021 when we came back from the shutdown. And then in Hawaii, our compulsory season is august to december um which this year we went back to that because last year when we came back from the shutdowns everyone level three through ten competed in the spring which is we don't usually do that so that was stressful in itself (laughs) um and then i had the summer to get my level my old level four group ready for level five in august um and then we do a back-to-back five six season so they'll do five during the fall and then six during the spring optional season um just because you know like the requirements are pretty much the same um and so it was pretty crazy like that one group it was my main group and in from january 2021 till march 2022 they did four five six <laughs> wow. yeah and i love that group i mean I don't, I don't know if they'll, they, they know me, but, um, I love that group, but it was not easy. <laughs> like, you know, we came back from shutdowns, so they lost a lot of their strength. Um, and they had to learn a new routine. And they had to learn. Yes. Yes. That was another big, big thing. Skills, you were changing the entire routine between four and five this, this past year too. So like, yeah. oh. yep. Yep. So four four to five and then five to six we also let them um pick their own routine so it was pretty crazy (laughs) yeah that is a lot yeah and this is this group that i had in particular um i love them as kids uh and i think they would agree if they ever hear this um but what they were not my most naturally like talented group so they were a group like during going into the summer last year learning level five and level five as a whole I I know always in my head is always kind of the first kind of like challenging slash fearful level because you know the back walk over on beam and the flyaway and the back tuck on floor Um, so there's a lot you know there's a lot going on and my group had a lot of different issues (laughs) Um, like a lot of kids we just we didn't get a lot of time with repetitions um this is another like another topic i guess but my like we didn't usually used to have rotation schedules up until the year before covid um so this group that i had done four five six with in the last year that was the first group that we took on a team who has done their entire team experience in rotation schedules um which also was really hard because we were, um, I think before COVID, it was like 45 minute rotations. Um, and you know, like in level three, you need a lot of time just to do like a million repetitions of round offs and standing back handsprings and cartwheels and all of those basics. 
I'm sorry. To explain it all, too, right? It takes time yes. to sit there and go over, like, what the expectation is. And it yeah. they don't know that yet either. So, they, exactly. you know. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't have that time. I didn't feel like I had that time in the past where, like, if I needed, honestly, so, like, our practices for level three and four, three hours. And, um, like, if I need three hours to do this same, like, <laughs> round up back handspring drill so that it only takes us, you know, 45 minutes the next time, then I'll take the three hours today to, in order to get that done. Um, but I didn't have that because every day we were on rotation schedules. Um, and I know a lot of gyms in the mainland do that and I don't know how they do it. Cause yeah, it was, it was challenging trying to figure that out. Um, so that kind of led to, they also had like a reduced time compared to our previous groups of like conditioning, um, and then, and of basics. So fast forward to after COVID and then trying to teach them also just coming back from the shutdowns of four months of not doing any gymnastics at all besides conditioning was really hard. Um, and there was like a bunch of them. Some of them were like really powerful. Some of them were not powerful at all. Like we couldn't even get them when we were learning round and back handspring back tucks, like couldn't get them to round up back handspring, like close enough to the edge where they could do a back tuck safely into the pit. <laughs> um, so it was like a million round up back handspring rebounds. Um, this year also was the first year that they added the standing back tuck dismount off a beam for level mm-hmm. five. And that was a challenge because a lot of my kids, um, I feel like in the past, it's always kind of been something to do for fun. <laughs> and a lot of my kids this year, I wouldn't have, like, I had to make them go off of a soft um, cheese mat onto, like, our resi landing mat. Um, just, I'm like, okay, do a bunch of rebounds, and then you can back tack. And because the cheese mat that they were jumping off of is soft, I'm like, if you come back at it, <laughs> at least it's soft. Yeah, um, but a lot of them, you know, like they don't jump. That's the problem. Um, some of them jump, but then they their their knees go over their toes, so they jump, but then they go forward. <laughs> um, so it was it was a lot of new challenges for sure this year. Uh, and a group that all they're all very different. Some of them are really strong. Some of them were not strong at all. Um, I had one girl who was working on flyaways for. I I don't even know, like six months. Um, Like she hit the bar once when we were, or I think twice when we first started doing, like she had a really good flyaway and then she pulled in twice in the same day. And then she wouldn't let go at the candlestick position after that. She like was letting go at like six o'clock. And it was like, I, I, she spent most of the season doing the routine, but not doing the flyaway. Um, and then, yeah, it, it was really frustrating because she had, she has actually like beautiful lines, beautiful swing, um, very, very perfectionist in her head though. Like if she doesn't understand a direction, like to the, to the absolute T, <laughs> um, like she cannot make it happen with her body. Um, so that was really frustrating. Um, but somehow we got through it. <laughs> So, yeah, we, yeah. I'm still stuck on this non-rotation schedules. Like, can you, like, I I mean, did you just, like, previously just decide that, like, this is what you needed to get done today and just kind of however long that took and then you would move on and, like, just pick 
Like if you ended up like if you had three hour practice and two hours was spent on like this round of back handspring, would you just be like, okay, I have 30 minutes left. We'll do some conditioning. Like you just decided that day what you were going to do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I had never heard of rotation schedules until we implemented them. <laughs> wow. Okay. So then, so the, my other question then on top of that is, does your, does your gym have a rec program? Yes. And do they share space with your yes. team? So like yes. schedules? Um, no. Like up until so up until we started doing that, um, it was kind of just like go where you go and then other people have to figure it out or um, I mean, we're all pretty friendly at our gym, so it's kind of like, oh, do you need bars? Oh, okay, yeah, we'll we'll be here like ten more minutes, and then you can take it. Yeah, that is so cool. I mean, I, 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 I yeah, I, I really liked it. <laughs> right, like I, I, I've been my the programs that I've been a part of have been very structured, um, like, and it's this and and um, you know, like I feel like the optional coaches are always like, you know, they're like ten, fifteen minutes late, like rotating. Yeah their event so like if you just like if you were like hey I just need 15 more minutes like okay we'll go over here you know and like we do that of course but like letting it just be as part of the flow of it is it's mind-boggling to me but I really like it yeah I really liked it too um we're a big like bar gym um and like conditioning especially in the lower levels um so, like, honestly, in the very – for a while, I mean, it, and it worked for us for, you know, a really long time, and I think that was also part of the challenge. Um, but, like, prior to COVID, like, all of our compulsory groups would spend, like – I always tell them, like, from January till maybe May, it like, if they were there for three, three and a half – I'll say three and a half hours because our level <clears throat> five, six, sevens would go four times a week, three and a half hours um prior to covid and they would go 4:30 to 8 and i would say from 4:30 until 6:30 ish was pretty much just conditioning and basics hmm. so it was like they're running warm up um they're conditioning um floor beam stuff and also like our trampoline is in the back so they would, if they finished their conditioning and stuff, then they could go to tramp until everyone else was finished. Um, and then we would, for a long time, like we just spend a, a lot of time on bars. <laughs> like the last hour, hour and a half would be just bars. Great bars. I mean, bars is like, is hard. Like it, it requires, I feel like such a different skill set than, than, you know, and proprioceptively and swing and all of those things. It's just different. And I feel like it takes, it takes time to develop, um, to do that. So that's awesome. Yeah. We also have like a really small in comparison to gyms on the mainland, like our gym is really small. So we have one comp set that's like on solid ground. Um, and then we have one, like one comp set that's over a pit though. Um, and then we have a single rail and then we have two like low rec bars. Um, so we usually have team groups of 10 to 14, 15 ish. Okay. So we just need the time. We needed the time in general also just to like 
get everyone turns on the bars. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I think an hour and a half to some people was like, well, well, maybe not everyone, but I mean, some of our kids, you know, it's like an hour and a half of bars. Holy moly. I'm like, yeah, well, there's two bars. We're like, you know, if we're working on tap swings or jumping to the high bar or um, like flyaways, it's like, well, yeah, like we're, there's 15 of you and we only have two bars that we can really use. So yeah, we got, we kind of need the time to like get you guys on the equipment, you know? Yeah. So what does that look like then? Like if you're doing, let's say you're doing an hour and a half of, of a bar rotation and you have, um, let's say 10 kids. So if you have 10 kids, you have technically sounds like four, well, you might have five bars because you said two comp sets, two low bars and a single rail. Yeah. It's like five total bars. So then what does, like, what does that look like? Like, do you do, uh, like a circuit and do you do like 10 stations, one for each kid? Do you do two kids on a station? Like, how do you, um, how do you structure that? Um, I think it kind of depends what we're working on and the kids that I have. Um, I think, Coming back from COVID this past year, um, let's see. So, like, I'll use my six group. I think we were doing, like, dismounts on the pit bar. Um, depends, you know, if someone else, like, if the boys team is using the single rail. Um, and then comp set would be for, like, Kipcast handstands. Um the, and then the two lower rec bars, it's kind of hard because they're, they make an L with each other. Mm-hmm. So it, like if one, if a taller person is on the low, is on one of the bars, like someone else can't go on the other bar because they're going to hit each other. <laughs> um, so depending on what they were doing, I think I would have them set, like stack um, mats up to one of the bars so they can do clear hips. And then the lower bar, they would just be working on like cast style handstand overs. Okay. And that was kind of like our general circuit, I think. So they're kind of hitting every part of the of the routine. Okay. And would it be like you need to get 10, you know, kip casting on stands over on the double rails with me? Or would it just be like we're going to just take this block of time and just get done what we get done? Um. And de- again, it depended. Okay. Like some days I was like, uh, so they really struggled with the kip cast handstands this year. Um, and I'm not sure if that's like a, again, you know, like strength thing or just the fact that we lost out on a lot of basics time, um, just refining kips and stuff like that coming back from COVID. Um, but a lot of time it was either like work on your kip cast handstands and then you're going to do 10 dismounts with me. And that was kind of the dismount or like wherever I was, was kind of the driving uh, point of the workout, I think. Okay. Because um, using the Kip Cast handstand as a number, we did it a few times and none of them got close. <laughs> so well, it c- couldn't be like, all right, like we'll stay on bars until you make 10 of them because then like 30 minutes has gone by and most of them have not made one yet. So it would be like, okay, we'll approach this differently. Yeah. And that's, I think that's so important to like understand that like, yes, there's a certain, you know, you have a certain goal of what you want to get done, but that may look different 
you know, how that gets done every day can look different. Um, you know, it can generally, it can be way, but like, sometimes that's going to have to be another way. And like, that, that's okay. Yeah. And that took a lot of, um, adapting, especially this last year. Um, cause I think like I've had three previous level five groups It's never been as challenging as it was this year. <laughs> there were a lot of days where I felt, I would tell my coworkers, you know, like I don't know. I feel like I don't know how to coach, <laughs> even though I've been coaching for 10 years, 10 plus years. And I'm like, I, I don't, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And it's like affecting my kids because they're not like getting any better. There was a very long like plateau area where like our tumbling was pretty behind from what I would have, what I would have wanted them to be at. Right. Um, like we struggled. I don't even think we really were doing bar routines until probably almost the week before their first. So I lost Tracy for a hot second and I was able to get her back on. So we segued right back into conversation. We're back. <laughs> no, we I was doing really too. good. I was doing really good because as soon as my phone like light went down, I would like tap it and it was working tap really it. good. And then I forgot to do it that time. That's okay. <laughs> so you were saying that um, the girls weren't really doing full bar routines until like the week before the meet. Yeah. And then okay. at that, for like I said, like our compulsory season here is usually August to December. And mm-hmm. as everyone knows, August of last year was when like the Delta variant was like surging really bad. So it seemed like every, and and at that point, at that point, the close contact protocols were that if you were a close contact, you had to quarantine. So there were a bunch of kids and a bunch of weeks where they would be, be in practice. We'd be making good progress and then they'd be identified as a close contact. And then they couldn't come to the gym for, I think it was five days or something at that point. Um, or 10 days, I think it was 10 at that point. Uh, Uh, and then actually going into our first, our mock meet in August, um, one of the kids, I think she tested positive and my whole group had to quarantine if they were at practice, her last day of practice in the gym. mm -hmm. Um, so they ended up quarantining and then they came back. Their first day back at practice was like a Wednesday and we had mock meet on Saturday. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I thought you were about to say somebody else tested positive because oh, that's, no. what, that's what happened to us in January. It was like, okay, everybody's close contact. We all quarantined for, you know, ten, like we, we couldn't even like host practice. Like, cause you know, we as coaches were considered close contact too. Yeah. And then, and then the, the first Monday, like the Monday we came back, boom, somebody else. And like, I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to have to do this again? Like, and I think that was, like, right when they kind of lightened up the rules. But ours didn't hit us until, you know, it didn't hit kind of go around for us until January of, of this year. But, um, yeah, so Wednesday and then mock meet on Saturday. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty gnarly. Um, yeah. I think that was when I kind of realized, like, oh, my God, this could totally, like, mess up our whole season. <laughs> Yeah. And you've already had like a messed up season, you know, you've already had one and a quarter kind of like, you know, 
messed yeah. up kind of situations where you you know you just competed in the spring because you didn't have a fall season the prior year so yeah, that's, yeah. Ugh, it's so bananas um so like when you felt like oh my gosh, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to coach. I don't know how to help these kids. Like, was there anything that you did or did you talk to like your head coaches or how did you kind of like get yourself and maybe the kids kind of out of that? Um, it was a lot of venting to my coworkers okay. <laughs> on the side. Um, the nice thing about coming back from the COVID shutdowns, I think, um, was a lot of people have become way more, and just with social media in general, like a lot of people have dispersed a lot of information and a lot of drills for Mm -hmm. all of the skills that I was struggling with. Um, And I mean, some of it too was like my kids. (laughs) I mean, I don't know this kid, this is always for debate. Right. But I mean, I'm, I'm a big person that's like, Um, part of it is on the kids as well. And some of Mm -hmm. it, you know, we had spent, I know, I remember like for flyaways, um, I was getting really frustrated because we had done, I don't know, two weeks worth of like throwaways. I don't know what what you guys call it, but, um, like tapsing, tapsing, and then hit the candlestick position, let go of the bar and then just land in the foam pit, like on your back. Um, I call those flying turtles. Oh, because yeah, we, because I don't know if like we remember when I learned them originally they were dead cows. Oh, like I don't know. I, like were they dead cows? We were like dead cows are a terrible name. Like it's like <laughs> awful because like you would just you know drop into the pit or whatever. Like yeah, you're hey. And so so then when the coach started spotting them and like lifting you and pulling you away from the bar, we called them flying turtles. So okay. We so what do you what do you call them? Throwaways. Throwaways. Yeah, like throwing the bar away. Yeah. But um, so we had done a bunch of them. And then I was like, okay, um, we're, tomorrow we're going to, or I think it was like a Friday. And I'm like, okay, well, on Sunday, we're going to start trying to flip these. Um, and in the past, like I've really, there's usually like if there's 10 kids, there's one kid who won't let go of the bar. But this group, the first day that we started trying to do flyaways, like none of them would let go of the bar. And I was like, not, I was trying not to get mad at them, but I was like really frustrated and I'm like, you know, like, we've been doing the drill. We're going into a foam pit. Like, I've been spawning flyaways forever. But, like, you guys have to – part of, like, being a gymnast is, like, you have to take responsibility and, like, try something so that we know how to fix it together. Um, like, I always tell them, you know, if you're not doing – like, if you're not doing it, I can't give you any corrections because – you're not doing the thing that we're doing. (laughs) Um, And so after that, like a bunch of them got brave and they all did it, whether, you know, they pulled in or let go early, but we could adjust from there, you know? Um, And so I think a lot of it is just like, I I got really good with um, building that communication with them. Um, Usually because I, like, I don't yell at them, but I'll sit them down and be like, Hey guys, like, (sighs) okay. You know, I'm pretty frustrated today. I know you guys are frustrated today. Um, I know this skill is scary. I'm, I'm like talking specifically about flyaways right now, but I mean, yeah. this is the kind of like the talk that I had with them on all the skills that we were struggling on at every point, you know, like, hey guys, like I'm pretty frustrated. Um, 
you know, we're a little behind from where we need to be. Um, like I'm looking up drills and I'm trying to find things to help you guys. But part of it too, is like, you guys got to step up a little bit as well. Um, and my kids are, I've already had them for at this point, two years, including, yeah, three years, I guess, including the pandemic year. Um, so they know like what I think, I guess, like what the expectation is. Um, they, and they can get goofy, especially when we came back from the pandemic, like they were pretty mm-hmm. goofy, I think just cause you know, they were excited to be back in the gym and around everyone again. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it was just like sitting them down and be like, you know, I know some of these skills are like scary, but we're doing a lot of the drills. You guys are doing the drills fine. Um, but when we start switching, you know, like if we're going from round of back handsome rebounds to round of back handsome back techs, um, you know, like we're, we're going into a foam pit. If I'm, I wouldn't tell you guys like not to do something if you weren't doing them well. Like I'm not going to tell you to do a back tech if you're around a back handspring is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so part like, yes, it's scary, but part of it is like trusting yourself, trusting me, trusting, you know, all the drills that we've done um, so that you can do. And, and like, I'm not expecting obviously your first day of doing these skills to be perfect. It's crazy. Like I just need you guys doing it so that we can start making corrections to them. So having those talks with them and I was, I mean, I'd like to think, I don't know. I know I had like a, and I've had parents who maybe disagreed with it, but uh, Mm. not in this, not in this group, but you know, like I'm, I'm really open and I believe in telling them, you know, like, I'm not going to yell at you, but I am going to like voice out that I'm frustrated um, so that you guys like it's a two way thing, you know? And I think part of it too is like when I'm telling them that I'm frustrated, that they're not just seeing me happy or me when I'm coaching them, like I'm human and I get frustrated too. And right now I'm frustrated and I'm letting you guys know so that part of it is like that they know, like I'm human and I have that emotion as well. And also so that they can feel comfortable enough to come and tell me when they're frustrated um, instead of, you know, like, I think our kids often, they kind of just get on the equipment and they don't try <laughs> sometimes, yeah. but they're like frustrated. Like instead of just coming over and being like, Coach Tracy, this isn't working today. They'll get on the equipment and they'll like, just, yeah. And then they not try. Stupid. Like, you know, and you don't, and like that, you know, then there's, then there's that risk, right? If you're going to, if you're going to not try, then you put yourself like at more risk. Exactly. Too. But I think like, um, you know, just opening up that dialogue with them is so helpful like like you said for them to see that you're human and and also allowing them to not like not take it personally like oh coach tracy's frustrated she's frustrated at me i'm not doing it well enough or you know whatever that is it's like no 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 no. i'm frustrated like in my own yeah not specifically I think you're not good enough to like do this or like you're not doing it at this moment or, you know, things like yeah. that. But just being able to have that, you know, open, open communication is so integral into that. So I love that you said that, like that, that's the way that you started to work through that with them. So that's amazing. Yeah. So there was a lot of sit downs. They always kind of know, like if Coach Tracy tells us to sit down, She's probably pretty frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably going to have a talk. 
<laughs> yeah, they a lot of you know it's funny because all the seniors that graduated this year all mention like Coach Tracy's lectures, <laughs> and I'm like, oh good, I'm glad that they've stuck with you guys because that's kind of the point, you know. And I sit them down and I I sit them down. Um, I know in the past I've gotten in trouble for like quote unquote singling kids out. Um, mm-hmm. so now I don't do that unless it's like a really serious issue. But I'll sit them down as a group. And sometimes it kind of backfires, I've learned as well, because I've had kids who are doing exactly what they need to had This year, I had one girl who was doing like awesome, amazing heart, amazing work ethic, like hardest worker in the room. Um, didn't quite understand like the talks. <laughs> um, and like every time I would sit them down and talk about, you know, hey, guys, you know, I'm frustrated today, whatever, whatever she would go home and tell her mom that she wanted to quit and like would cry in her room. And I, her mom would text me and be like, Hey, you know, did did something happen at practice today? Like so-and-so's locked herself in her room. She doesn't want to come out. And it was like, I sat them down and had a talk, but I wasn't even talking to her. (laughs) Like she's doing exactly what she needs to be doing. Um, But you know, like I'm not trying to single any one kid out. I mean, it's just meant to be a group talk, honestly. Um, but yeah. she would take it as like, she wasn't doing good. And then she would get really frustrated and then she would like shut down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's not my point of my talks. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, and it shows you how, how you may just, you have to communicate maybe differently, you know, like, yes, in general, as a group, it can be kind of the same thing, but like, you know, you may, now you may know like, okay, I'm going to pull this person aside separately and be like, like just going to reinforce that you're already doing the right thing. Like, yeah. you know, like so you can now, that in like a side, side way. That's not, you know, that's not calling her out specifically in the group chat for doing something well when, you know, maybe other people aren't, but you can just like slip that in when she's over at your station for Kip cast handstands, you know? Yeah. So I did that. And I also started using, like, if I'm talking about a specific skill or something that I'll use, like, I'm not, I'll single them out, but I'll single all of them out at some point. Like, yeah, you know, like we're doing flyways and then this, you know, I know it's not happening right away, right? Like, you know, so-and-so over here today was better than yesterday, but not, we're not quite where we need to be yet, but it was better than yesterday, right? And then we have these, and then we have so-and-so over here, you know, like last week our flyways were really scary and today now they're better. So, like, singling them all out, but, like, trying to use, like, appropriate ways to be able to do it. So, I don't know. I mean, I've learned, like, different styles of communication, I guess. And usually our kids, because we're going by level, they're, you know, as you guys, as you know, right, like, the age varies just because they're all in the same level. They're, I think this year, my youngest was nine, and then my oldest was... 14 or 15 mm-hmm. and they're all in the same group the same level so adjusting my um communication to fit like both ends of that age spectrum too was helpful I think I think it was helpful do you feel like that is something that for you came with time or have you always been able to do that as a coach mm. I think I've always been naturally pretty good at that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just, I've just gotten better the more that I've learned and the more that I've uh, done it over the years. Do you think like that you're, cause you did, you said you did a, a minor in communication, right? Yeah. You think that like those classes like helped continue to like paint that path that allowed you to just continue that? Um, I don't know that the classes did. <laughs> I think it's just been a lot of experience. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you learn a lot of stuff in school, but ultimately, like, applying it in real world situations and in real world, like, conversations and stuff is very different. Um, so I've had to really learn how to adapt. Um, I don't know that I necessarily use any of the th- the communication things that I learned in school, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I think it's just something that I've, I'm pretty, I've always been pretty good at um, talking to people. And then um, I actually, honestly, the, I think the thing that's helped me more than classes is working my day job. Cause in my mm-hmm. day job, I've, I work with people with disability, like intellectual disabilities. So like autism and um, stuff like that. And so also learning, I mean, with that job, um, you know, people with autism, it's like a communication, it affects your communication and like your ability to interpret communication. And so um, they always say like when you're working with people with autism, like your directions have to be very straightforward. Um, And I've worked with several different individuals with like autism, intellectual disability, um, people who are my age, but they're brain functioning is somewhere around like a five-year-old so learning how to like keep things age appropriate as much as possible but also remembering that they're you're kind of talking to a five-year-old in some ways um and being direct and so I think that honestly the biggest thing that helped that has helped with like my communication with as a coach has come from my day job awesome have you and doing like and is this did you you said you just changed jobs so is it is it kind of in the same capacity or now you have a different different role I mean you're just starting out so right um kind of a similar role um so I'm kind of like in behavioral health and so my role my new role is behavioral health specialist which is um kind of like helping kids I work in an elementary school, so helping the kids who have a hard time controlling their behaviors um, because they're frustrated. Um, so I'm kind of like a counselor. Mm, I, okay. I, I don't say I'm a counselor because I don't have my um, degree or my license as a counselor. Um, but that's essentially like when I'm explaining my, my job duties, it's what I do. Um, like I do counseling sessions where we talk about how to cope with your feelings, how to cope with being frustrated. Um, Like a lot of my kids, they get frustrated because um, especially the kids that are on my caseload, they are behind grade level in academics. So like they're in third grade, but their math is kindergarten or first grade level. Um, And a lot of them have disability or actually, I'm sorry, all of them have some kind of a disability, whether it's autism or ADHD or um, yeah, like any of those types of things. So they don't, they just naturally also because of the disability don't know how to cope with their frustration and their frustration comes up quite a lot, quite a lot because academically they're not there. 
So right. it's kind of like a this, you know, struggle of a of a circle where every day they go to school, they look at their work, they already know that they're going to have a hard time with their work, so they get frustrated. And then, you know, like you and I, we know we get frustrated, you take a deep breath or you know, if you're if it's overwhelming, you go for a walk or stretch or something, but these kids like they don't know that. So their coping mechanism is I don't want to do math today because it's hard and I don't I don't get it. I'm going to rip my paper up and then I'm going to crawl underneath my desk and hide. And then I'm going to distract the other kids. And then I'm going to, when the teacher tells me I can't do that and tells me to sit in my desk, I'm going to run out of the classroom and I'm going to, you know, cause a scene or whatever. Yeah. And so my job is to teach them like, hey, you know, like it's okay to be frustrated or it's okay to get, you know, upset about these things. What's not okay is like us running out of the classroom <laughs> and like, being loud or distracting our classmates you know like what's what's some other things that we can do um instead of doing that (laughs) and then trying to teach them basically teach them how to cope and then hopefully somewhere down the road try to generalize it to actual frustrating situations right yeah it kind of ties in straight into coaching um my kids don't obviously react that way to frustration Um, but certainly like my kids at school with disability are very literal. Um, they don't understand sarcasm. So learning how to communicate to them in a way that is very direct. Um, I'm almost honestly with coaching, I'm almost too direct sometimes, Mm. but I think it, it certainly, I think has helped a lot. Um, and then one of my Last year, I was working actually a third job as a, a one-to-one with a student with autism, and my boss um, had her degree in speech-language pathology, which is like a speech therapist, and mm-hmm. they do also a lot of, you know, like learning how to communicate um, and teaching kids how to communicate effectively and stuff like that. So I learned a lot from her in terms of communicating and kind of like those basics that go with communication that like you know you and I don't really have to think about but like these people like speech therapists have to they go to school to learn like those basic fundamentals of communication and and of speech so that they can teach it to these kids with disability yeah I think that's super accurate (laughs) yeah cool well okay so I have a couple, a couple more things. Um, so I have like two or three more things um, before we get off here. Um, so in regards to um, like your training or your facility, do you guys have um, like, I know you, you haven't generally had rotation schedules and that's like a new thing for you. And so in these, in these rotation schedules, do you have designated rotations towards um like strength conditioning flexibility um like mental training do you have like a visualization rotation or do you just kind of work that into your beam rotation um so to be honest like we don't have a visualization um rotation okay um a lot of it i don't know 
I'm trying to like think about how to say it without it sounding bad. Cause when I was reading the questions, I was like, Oh, do a lot of gyms do that? We definitely don't do that. Um, but I think it's also different. Like we don't have the space and like the resources yeah. in Hawaii um, that I think a lot of mainland gyms have. Cause I would love, I mean, I know we've done visualization like as a, as a gymnast at my club gym. And I know we did um, visualization, I think one the first year or my second year at Eastern. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think Steve brought us, I don't know if it was a sports psychologist or just a regular psychologist. I'm not sure. I definitely remember someone coming cause I fell asleep. Um, but, um, no, we don't, yeah, we don't have a visualization rotation. Um, a lot of, all of our rotations are just based on the events. Okay. Um, and we have, so like, if you can imagine in your head, like our vault runway, there's is on once as on like the right side. And then our, bar pit goes through the middle and then our tumble strip is on the other side of the bar pit. So the bar, the tumble strip and the vault runway, um, hug the bar pit. So there's not a lot of space Mm -hmm. for, there's really no space for like vault drills, um, that type of stuff. So space is pretty limited for us. Um, and especially because we're sharing space with the rec rec side and like all of the different levels um so like usually when we're on bars there's a group on tumble strip and there's a group on vault so not only is there really no space for drills but you just have to in general like watch where you're going (laughs) Uh. so um i think i mean we as far as like strength and flexibility we have like there's usually two floor rotations so one of them is for warm-up and conditioning and stretch and then the other one is for like uh, de- depending on the group, like I've used both rotations for conditioning and then we've come back and then like finished conditioning and stuff or like during, during season, definitely like the second floor rotation is used for tumbling and uh, floor routines. So it just kind of depends on the group mm-hmm. and the time of the year and stuff. Yeah. And, like that's another whole like nuanced conversation too. It's like, what does it look like in season? What does it look like off season? Um, Cause it's different. No, I remember yeah. we used to do, I used to do like, um, we did a lot of mental training. Actually, we worked with Doc Alley, who is, I believe she's pretty well known in the gymnastics community, but yeah. she, like, she, had, she had a track and one of them was an hour long and we would start practice with that. And the hour long one was like, going through an entire meet sequence like okay you're in your warm-up you're in your vault warm-up you know and dude I never made it past bars like I (laughs) every time every time um and then I have to like wake up and try to like do practice after that but (laughs) so but I don't know I don't know of many other places that have like set that in their programs um, but I know like a lot of people like, you know, when you're working your beam rotation, there's a station where you're just going to close your eyes and picture your beam routine, you know, and that's, that's mental training and visualization too. So it's like, you know, just, it's just like, how, do, how does it work for you? Like, what do you guys do with it? So like yours is just different and that's totally fine too. So, yeah, I think I think it probably would be helpful (laughs) 
but I, I think a lot of it is more um like I don't I don't know that like our kids and our families here kind of like understand the mental side of things mm. um I think a lot of it I don't know I mean me being kind of in like the behavioral and mental health side and then also the coaching side um I definitely like would totally advocate for a mental health specialist to come in and do like visualization and stuff like regularly uh, but I don't know I think it's just not something that our gym can like afford and and that's part of it too right like it is like if you have someone come in it's an additional cost and yeah. like have a a nutritionist or a physical therapist or even just like a doctor it's like you know that that does you know unless someone is volunteering their time with you yeah then, you know and I mean I thought I mean I've thought because you know we have a million kids come back from injuries and stuff and then we we are tasked with uh kind of like adjusting practices based on their injuries and based on like what they're cleared to do returning from injury and stuff. And I'm always like, man, we should just hire like a PT in the gym. Cause like, I don't, I'm not qualified to do, you know, like I can only do what I know from uh, like my own experiences. I mean, I've, I guess been fortunate that <laughs> I've pretty much injured every limb so I can give like a basic list of like returning exercises for, you know, a twisted ankle or a hyperextended knee or an injured shoulder or whatever. But I tend to actually go more on the, on the cautious side mm -hmm. um, where I'm like, I'll have a kid and I'm like, Oh yeah, I've probably been on this for like, probably too long like we can probably start loading on a little more a little more weight or a little more repetitions like I'll start off really really probably slower than is necessary but yeah <laughs> top of that you have 14 other kids that also need their own you know like their own things too and it's and you know it is like I think I saw a post on Instagram the other day it was like you know like you as a coach are expected to do a lot of things and you're supposed, you, you know, you have all these different hats that you wear, but all the different hats that you wear as a coach could literally be someone's full-time job. Yeah. Yep. And you're doing that as a coach. And like, that's a lot. So, you know, if you can, if you can delegate those things, you know, that's really nice. And I know not everybody is in a position to do that. So it makes it, a little tricky but like that's why I feel like I feel like sharing things on you know like social media has done you know so much in terms of being able to get more information out there um and, you know like quality information I know that there's you know also not quality information that's going out as well but if you can find a couple that really resonate with like you and like those things and you can take those things and just like so for for like us we had like some kids not having excellent snacks uh snacks. yeah yeah and like I don't really you know I don't I'm not a nutritionist I'm not a dietitian like I can't actually you know I I don't really feel like it's my place to do that so I just 
and like a message to all of the parents like hey here's this person they are a nutritionist you know specifically for gymnasts and here are some ideas for quality snacks and like please don't send your kid with money to go to the vending machine like that's not <laughs> because like that's what they were doing for you know for a while and and it was like I also if if somebody doesn't have anything you know food food wise like I'm not gonna be like don't eat anything like like so like I understand like if you have a busy day and like one day they have to get you know veggie straws from the vending machine like okay but like here's 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 a place here's a resource that like I can kind of direct you to and then if they choose to like continue on with that then like that's you know that's on them but um like don't take my word for it take somebody else's word um yeah does this for a living so yeah awesome okay so last thing I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one question from this list um and this doesn't this doesn't actually necessarily have to do with gymnastics this can be anywhere in your life um what is one lesson that you feel like you are currently like in the process of learning um to put myself first um I don't think I've really done that ever. So this year has been really big. I think the three jobs that I was working last year, I'm not working at any of them anymore. Um, the gym was a really big one, honestly. Uh, I love that place with like my heart. Yeah. Um, but it also has the ability to have me there a lot more. Um, than I'd like to be sometimes. Um, I mean, that's just work in general. Um, so taking a step back, I mean, I haven't heard one negative thing from anyone, um, which has been really encouraging for me when, I, I mean, I, I will, I will return back to coaching, um, eventually, but I've done it for so long and just done like that whole, having a day job. I mean, even from when I was competing, right? Like you go to school and then you go to gym and then I went to college and then it was kind of the same thing. You do classes and then you go to gym. And then I came back to Hawaii and then I had a day job and then I went to the gym. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I've always done it. Like, it's not really a time. It's not necessarily a time thing, but it also kind of is. Um, and I just, I've gotten to the point where I just needed to do things for myself. Um, you know, I'm, I don't have a lot to show, I feel like, in the scheme of my life. Uh, like, I, because I've just been working all the time. Um, like, literally for the last 10 years has been 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. straight through, you know. Um, so I just started this DOE job. Um, stopped working at the gym right for now. I just moved in with my boyfriend um, the same time that I started the DOE job. Um, so it's a lot of, a lot of things that, uh, I don't even know. Like I, I wrote out a bucket list of things that I'd like to do that I've just never had the time to Question. do. Like what's on the agenda? Like what do you have any like 
hobbies that you want to pick up that you haven't done before or like what's what are a couple things on your list I just now I'm just nosy um cooking I don't know if you follow me on Instagram but like during the pandemic I was trying to I I literally don't know how to cook um like I was trying to watch some YouTube videos and learn how to cook like um scrambled eggs during the pandemic um and a lot of people commented like oh my gosh you don't know how to make scrambled eggs (laughs) not like in a hostile way but you know it's a lot of my friends on social media they're like you don't know how to make scrambled eggs what did you do when you were growing up and I'm like I don't know gymnastics (laughs) so like Um (laughs) yeah so like learning how to cook um I learned how to make now spam eggs and rice for breakfast and Portuguese sausage um and then I've learned how to make chili um and that's about it and I know how to make pasta and meatballs uh, and that's about it though I'm well, I'm, I'm still learning <laughs> I felt like in college like I lived like Heather and I made pasta so freaking much in our apartment yeah I didn't cook I had microwavables all the time in college like literally didn't cook and then my my whole my dad's whole side of the family golfs a lot and I don't usually have time to like um join them because it's usually kind of like an all-day like they like to go mm-hmm. golfing and then they like to drink after um and I usually can barely stay for the entire round of golf because I have to go to work at the gym so um been going to the I'm trying to get my boyfriend um uh, into golfing so he's actually been super all about the driving range um so when I was coaching Um, I used to have Tuesdays off and then for like a good span of maybe like four straight weeks, I was subbing or one of the weeks I had COVID. So we couldn't go and it kind of was like, like kind of sucked because like I'm supposed to be off on Tuesday and then all the other afternoons I coach at the gym until eight. So we would have to wait until the next Tuesday. And there was like that span of a few weeks where we, we didn't go, like I couldn't do anything. Um, so I'm just looking forward to like having that time, like that free time to do, to go like to the driving range with my boyfriend and on the golf course with my parent or with my dad and my uncles and stuff like that. Um, and having the time to be able to travel without worrying about like who's going to sub for me, which is, which was like another big thing was like, I didn't like to really go on a bunch of trips because, um, I knew like the the longer I was away, the longer like my coworkers would have to come in on their days off to to sub for me and stuff. So, um, just like stuff like that. I don't know. There's nothing too crazy on my bucket list. It's just a lot of just being able to do what I've already been doing, but being able to do it more. Yeah. But if those are things that like you enjoy doing, like having more time to do those is super important too. So, I think that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I've, it's been one week so far and we've cooked twice and we've been in the driving range a few times and I was able to go golfing with like, um, a lot of my family was in town, uh, for one of my uncle's anniversary, like 50th anniversaries this past weekend. So we had like a whole family outing and family dinner on uh 4th of July. So that was really fun. That's, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's, Awesome. Tracy, thank you so much for being so willing to come on and share your story on a brand new podcast. 
and navigate some of the potential challenges that come with that. So I'm so appreciative that you took the time and were willing to share with us. And that's all I've got for you guys today. I am, like I said, I'm so excited to be bringing this to you guys and I would love your feedback. If there's something in this episode that really resonated with you, please let me know. Um, if there's something that you want to hear more of, shout it out. If there's something that you are like, I could have totally done without that story or that background or whatever that information is, let me know that. This is obviously um, a new endeavor and we're figuring out what this is going to look like moving forward. So I want to hear all the feedback and what what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. So if you are somebody who wants to talk to me and wants to share your experience and you feel like you have something to say, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, you can DM us on our Instagram, which is at compulsory gymnastics connection, um, or shoot me an email at compulsory gymnastics connection at gmail.com and we can connect. I would love, love, love to get as many voices heard as I can. 